0: Good evening, everyone. It's time for Necromaniac's podcast this week. Mike Scandato is back in the saddle. How's it going, Mike?
1: I am well. What's up, Mike? What is up, everybody? It is good to be back. We are well into the month of June. Today is the first day of summer, Michael. June 21st. How's your first day of summer?
0: Um, you know, (laughs) uneventful. Just. (laughs) working my job sitting here you know I, I went outside a little while earlier it's like you know 90
1: degrees out or whatever it's, <laughs> off. it's cool yeah i always like the first day of summer you know there's that weird 80s song from uh from a band that is long forgotten but i remember the song as a little kid i don't know why but uh anyway it's good to be back uh summertime brings summer horror film Tom, huh, mike
0: yeah, I think that uh, there's there's a pretty rich uh, subgenre of summertime horror. You know, not not the least of which is you know Friday the Thirteenth and all that stuff. But tonight, I think that we're going to address a movie that might not be for everyone, but mm-hmm. it's definitely an important film in like the the heyday of the slasher genre and weighs heavily into the summer horror. Uh, you know movement for lack of a better term
1: Definitely um, Yeah I mean I love this movie And we're going to get into the movie In a little bit before we do our little spiel But uh, I mean I, I, I almost put this as almost like a godfather Of some of our films Mike how about that Sure yeah I could see that man <laughs> You know
0: it's it's definitely like a uh, a Sort of a pioneering film in some ways And I think that um, even Even now like some of the some of the statements that people are making these days in their movies mm-hmm. i think uh are inadvertently paying homage to this film and of course we're talking about sleepaway camp
1: yes uh a wonderful wonderful film uh shot in 82 released in november uh, of 83 um yeah i had a i had a damn joy rewatching this one i actually watched it last year i think We might have maybe thought we were gonna cover it last year, but we didn't uh, Which is why I might have watched it last summer, but but watching it again over the last few days was just like a joy Like I I I come away with new things. I love about it every time. I watch it to be honest. Yeah No,
0: totally man, you know, but uh, before we get into that, let's talk about some of the stuff We've been uh, you know checking out the last couple weeks couple days, whatever
1: Sure, man Um, I want to tell you, I on the reading front, uh, a few weeks back, I had gotten into a bunch of the Brian Keene stuff I had ordered. Um, and then uh, about a week or two ago, I finally started reading the short story collection stories for the next pandemic. And it is rare when, when you read a short story collection that every every one of them is good. And I have to say, uh, he put together quite a little collection here, and, and he wrote all of these Uh, during the pandemic which is awesome and yeah I'm very much enjoying stories for the next pandemic I think I only have a a, a few left Um, I mean I like it so much I might even have uh, a song title for uh, a new song for The Last Stand or at least a line in one of the songs is definitely gonna get referenced from one of the little uh, nuggets out of this book that's how much it kind of moves me um so I'm really digging that. And uh, on the reading front, some some non-horror, Mike, uh, I'm reading Jordan B. Peterson's new book, Beyond Order, 12 More Rules for Life. Yeah, like, I got to uh, check that out, man. I, I,
0: you you were the one who was one of the first people to actually tell me about uh, Jordan Peterson. And, you know, I, I was aware of him, but uh, it's only recently that I've actually become interested in what he's got to say.
1: Yeah, and, and it's funny because if someone were to ask me how i found him i don't even know if i have an answer um it, it literally may be just a random kind of youtube moment in my life about almost four years ago um and then i got his first book 12 rules for life around then but man it's just i don't know he's not for everybody he, he's definitely maybe not for every all of our listeners uh, a certain sect of our, of our listeners. May not like the guy or, or may not like everything he has to say but uh he's definitely made a positive uh impact on me in, in in some ways um because i do enjoy a lot of the things he has to say and you know his podcast is very good he has really good guests on his podcast so i would even recommend his podcast as well so uh that, that's what i've been doing on the reading front uh on the viewing front i just started to watch the uh, Clove Hitch Killer on on uh, Netflix, which is getting a lot of buzz. You heard about that? I love that
0: movie. I saw it. that's on Netflix now. I've seen that a few
1: years ago. That was actually really really good. Oh yeah, see, I I got mad tired, and it wasn't because I was bored. I was not bored at all. I actually stopped the movie because I did not want to fall asleep during it. So I need to get back on the horse and um, actually watch it. But so far, it is off to a rousing start.
0: I really liked it, man. It's uh, it's one of those movies that uh, I think was overshadowed by another period piece that came out that was not nearly as good. Mm. Like the Summer of '84, I think, was another film that came out oh, around the yeah. same time.
1: You know what? It it's funny. I was I wanted to mention that movie. It, not good. I'm sorry. A lot of people sweat that movie, and it's just I feel like that movie is an example of like this whole '80s. Thing which has gotten way out of hand and done to death, done in a way that's just kind of corny and cheesy. Yeah. I don't know. I, mean, I, I know some of our listeners may have liked it because it actually it did very well, but I was not a fan.
0: I, I just I saw Clovich's Killer first, and uh, and I thought that was just like a superior movie and just all around like great acting, like super heavy ending. You
1: know, okay, don't say say no more. It's got our buddy uh, from hardware. in it, So hey, you
0: know, yeah, Yep. Dylan McDermott. Yes, Dylan McDermott.
1: Yes. Yes. He's a great actor, you know, understated actor. Uh, So yeah, I I definitely want to get back on that horse. And I I listened to uh, last week's podcast with you and Jeff. And I do really want to check out Army of the Dead, which it's so funny, because I didn't even realize it was a Zack Snyder movie. (laughs) it's it's i feel like that aspect isn't super promoted like i almost feel like this movie is just boom here it is we've thrown this movie out there you know
0: yeah i kind of wish zach had hit me up for some of the notes i had on making that film a little bit better but uh (laughs) (laughs) you know like i'd retitle it necropolis or something you know Mm -hmm. you could listen to the episode and catch up on all that
1: (laughs) yes yes indeed Our listeners, you should be listening every week, but uh, (laughs) definitely check out that episode. Sometimes, even if I haven't seen the movie, I I listen anyway. Uh, My my brother, John Draper, of the Break the Apocalypse podcast, a little shout out there, he tells me that while he does listen to pretty much every episode we do, if it's a movie he hasn't seen, he tends to jump out at some point of our our show (laughs) and wait until he's seen it. And then listens to the show.
0: Yeah, we're, we're real guilty of spoiling shit sometimes, which I'm trying to try to get better at that, I guess. You know?
1: Yeah. I mean, but for the record tonight, folks, uh, the, this movie is from 83, 84. So, yes, we're going to be spoiling Sleep Sleepaway Camp.
0: It's definitely <laughs> older than some of the people that probably are listening to this show right now.
1: Oh, 100%. <laughs> so what have you be checking out, Mike?
0: Yeah. Oh, uh, for me, um, actually, the mo- there's a movie on Showtime called Sacrifice that uh, our boy Rennie um, turned me on to this. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's kind of like, it's it's cool. It's like uh, Barbara Crampton's in it. Um, some other people that I vaguely recognize. And it's, uh, you know, it's like a cosmic horror. Um, takes place in Norway. Okay, you know. I love it. I want to see it. Yeah, I've heard it. it. And it's, it's good. It's a lot of, it's like a very understated, you know, it's kind of, it's exactly the kind of film I like. A lot of dialogue, a lot of like references to like, you know, lurking things beneath the sea
1: and that kind of stuff. You know what I mean? Oh, cool. Am I crazy? Or was there like a movie about, uh, with that same title from just a few years back that had to do with cults? Yes,
0: actually, yeah, I think uh, maybe that was called Sacrament. Yeah,
1: yeah, okay, yes, I like that movie. That yeah, was that awesome. was real good. <laughs> yeah. Okay, cool, cool.
0: Similar, along those similar lines, another, uh, another film that I watched recently, it's an oldie but goodie, but uh, Humanoids from the Deep.
1: Ooh, that is a good movie. Yeah,
0: Roger Corman. Um, I watched it on, uh, it was on the Joe Bob, uh, you know, Last Drive-In Show. And so mm-hmm. I watched it with the commentary, obviously. And that, that's a movie that I return to like every now and then, man. It's, it was like very, very well done, you know, B-horror film that has to do with uh, very rapey amphibious creatures, yeah. you know, attacking this. Like,
1: being the key word of that movie is rapey. Yeah. But the other key word of that movie, folks, is really good special effects. Oh, yeah. Rob, really.
0: Rob, Rob Bottin. Rob
1: teen was a special effects guy on that, you know, I mean the special effects are almost Like they're almost too good given the, the movie in, in a way, <laughs> you know, like given the given it's you know It being a B movie. It's got some really really those creatures are sick. I don't know. I think they look really sick
0: Yeah, it's great. It's like good gore uh, You know good acting, you know for, for a film like it's like got a shoestring budget like that um you know a lot of boobs you know of course it's the early 80s and uh yeah just like an overall like enjoyable movie and you know it's not for everybody you know i can see people
1: being <laughs> critical of this movie you know it's a little extreme but uh yeah
0: it is what it is you know
1: i mean they want to just you know obliterate all the men and kill them and you know rape all the women so that they can get their get their humanoids going you yeah. know get the humanoids yeah yeah <laughs>
0: Uh, as far as I, I've also been reading um, a short story collection called "Written in Darkness" by Mark Samuels, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, it's like horror. I think does really well with the short story format. Yes, that's like the best way I think to read horror horror fiction is as short stories.
1: Yeah, I mean, getting back to what I was said, like I mean, I think uh, Keen really hit some some home runs during this pandemic and put them together in this book. So. If you can find it it's it's kind of gone in stories really? for the next i'm like yeah they he put it out as, as the special thing where you could get this book and his book book by his girlfriend mary San giovanni together signed for 25 bucks like both books were signed and they both went up for 25 bucks plus shipping and they were up just for like a day or something and then they sold every single set that they had oh man and then he wrote in one of his emails that, well, if you're lucky enough to get one of those, we're not reprinting them. What so. the fuck, Jeez. Ah, <laughs> so, yeah, he goes, you know, you'll have to look on eBay or whatever the hell. I was like, oh wow, shit. Oh man. But um, the thing is, though, I feel like he says that, and then I feel like some of his stuff does make appearances elsewhere. But I mean, I don't know, I don't know if all of these will make appearances elsewhere. But I guess, I guess we'll see. Um, but uh. Yeah, he's got some some other cool stuff in the works, and I mean, you know, uh, I'm a fan. What can I say, as any listener here here can attest, but uh, on the on the musical, personal musical front, um, that compilation, uh, that the last stand my band is on, called uh, "Back to the New York Hardcore Roots" from uh, Pitchfork, uh, the Pitchfork label, is out, and it, it's doing very well. Actually, uh, it's sold out of uh, it's uh, Gold Vinyl Pressing at Cortex in Germany, and it's just about sold out of its Purple Vinyl Generation Records Press. And, um, yeah, I mean, that's it's cool to see so many people picking it up. Um, you know, you can get it from uh, the Pitchfork uh, website, which, of, of course, it, I'm, I'm drawing a blank right now. But, you know, you can just look it up back to the New York Hardcore Roots <laughs> compilation. Uh, my band has a, an exclusive song on there called I Can't Look Back. And, yeah, getting a lot of really good feedback. It's it's number two on Cortex's weekly top 20. Last week it was number six, and now it's at number two. So that's really cool.
0: Nice. That's awesome, man.
1: Yeah, man. Anything yeah, got th- new on the film's front? Well, we,
0: uh, we got a, a, a single slash EP thing coming out um, in late October which cool. is uh we just finished recording that and it's uh you know we got a tour coming up in november so Heck. you know that's like a uh we were putting something out just so people you know didn't forget that we exist as a band before we got <laughs> out on the road and uh <laughs> you know what i mean like it's our album came out like it all, by then it'll be a year since the mm. record came out and uh yeah it's like um an original you know a new song uh, a couple of uh, ambient tracks like one's a remix of something from the record One's a uh, collaboration with Dwight Hellion from Integrity that I did, and then uh, two two covers. We're doing uh, "Killed by Death" by Motorhead, and "Commit Suicide" by Gigi Allen. Oh, very cool, Mike.
1: Yeah. So um, is,
0: this, is this breaking news,
1: or was this already
0: announced? <laughs> uh, you know what, man? I think I inadvertently broke this. Uh, this I'm is actually uh, uh, very cool. Uh, so yeah, man. Uh, yeah, uh, don't worry about it uh, out there. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's like. Um, season um
1: don't worry you yeah season say- of
0: mist you guys it's cool you know but uh you know usually the record label likes to talk about these kinds of things instead of like <laughs> me randomly mentioning it at a podcast but um <laughs> hey what do you want from me man this is like i'm excited about it it's been a long yeah. time you know we uh yeah we didn't do any tours at all any anything last year so i'm just
1: excited you know of course what what do you where are you going in november what can you say about
0: that um It's an East Coast thing. Uh, You know, once again, it's like, literally, I think, the touring is just starting, like, in the fall for everyone, so. Of course. We're just staying local for the most part. I think the furthest south we're going might be, like, Georgia, and the furthest west we're going is, uh, you know, Illinois, like, Chicago. We're not going too far. It's like, you know, two weeks, something like that. And, uh, you know, obviously, Mm -hmm. there'll be a local show in Brooklyn and, you know. Philly, like stuff like that. Like all the, all the cities you'd imagine that, we, you know, we'd probably hit on a
1: short run. Good to hear, man. Music is back. Thank God. Jeez. Actually, <laughs> I'm,
0: I'm going to a show tomorrow night.
1: There's, uh,
0: the Justin and Drew, the, uh, bass player and, uh, drummer from Tombs. They have a, a Motorhead cover band called Engine Head. Oh. And they're playing, uh, tomorrow night at this place called the Chubby Pickle. <laughs> it's uh down in highlands uh new jersey uh down there on the shore so uh so i'll be there tomorrow night if anyone wants to come out well by by now the the show will have been you know happened already (laughs) but uh but uh yeah i'll be there i was there or will be or was or whatever time continuum we're operating in but yeah i'm sure i'm sure i'm sure i had a good time
1: (laughs) well i will say killed by death is is Possibly, well, it's in my top three Motorhead songs, so I'm excited for that. That's really cool. That's a fun song, man, it's great. Yeah, really good. One of the best songs they ever wrote, in my opinion. So, yeah, very cool. We got our musical uh, plugs out of the way, and it is time to dive deep into the murky waters of upstate New York at Sleepaway Camp. <laughs>
0: oh yeah, man, This, they're, like, like I said, you know, this is definitely a movie that, um, you know, I, I did some reading about this because I was wondering what people have to say about it today in this climate mm-hmm. that we live in. You know, and of course, um, you know, modern writers threw around words like, uh, you know, problematic, <laughs> um, you know, things like that, which, yeah. of course, is like the very easy remedial way of looking at this movie as opposed to maybe digging a couple layers deeper and actually using some intelligence when you're talking about this film.
1: Yeah. I mean, uh, in in my little research, I learned that, you know, it it has, as as far as the the transsexual angle goes, I learned that it's actually quite popular to a large segment of that community, while another segment of that community feels it was a, a negative portrayal. But honestly, if, again, you know, product of the times of 40 years ago um we talked about in dress to kill uh the 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 negative portrayal uh of that in that movie as well where it's like well what are are they all killers or you know what i'm saying uh you could go to silence of the lambs i mean you could even you know you could kind of sort of go psycho i just feel like uh, you know unfortunately the views of, of of certain aspects of society and certain people in society and certain people in life were just not what they are today. and it's you know it, it, it's hard to just kind of look at it with the modern lens, you know
0: yeah, you know what though honestly man and and this goes for like all like ex, like extreme forms of entertainment, you know what I mean like metal, you know music um you know hip hop music whatever you know like horror films you know any exploitation films i mean the whole all of that shit is problematic really i mean if you think if yeah. you if you're, you're going to like put a lens on about looking for issues it's like all right horror films people get murdered they get hacked to pieces you know there's violence women get killed like you know everyone get you know it's just like across the board it's a very misanthropic sort of, well, it's it's using misanthropy as a medium to to tell a story, you know what I mean? And it's like, yeah. where do you draw the line? I mean, I get it, you know, it's okay. You know, you're uncomfortable because you're in some sort of marginal group that you are perceiving as being attacked in this film or in these types of films, but it's like, everyone's getting attacked in these movies you know what i mean straight people you know women right.
1: men everyone's getting slaughtered
0: in these movies so
1: and if, if you look at sleep white camp in particular to me this movie is about bullying yeah Um, angela is bullied into oblivion for 90 minutes you know what i'm saying and i actually think if you take away the murder aspects, the killing and murderous aspects, I think she's actually a a pretty good portrayal of the person she is, you know, Um, the weird part, though, about this movie, and you know, we're, we're diving into it already, is that I feel is because it's the early 80s, and the early 80s was weird, and life was just what it was. Her her transsexuality was imposed upon her by the crazy aunt this was not a natural this was not a you know what I'm saying there's nothing really natural it was like forced and by a weird crazy aunt who thought she was a doctor you know it's weird it's a weird angle
0: well there's a lot of things that get presented in this film too that are uh, outside of what you normally see in like a slasher movie and that's one of the reasons one of the things about this movie that that I um you know that I think sets it sets it apart is like kind of
1: groundbreaking you know yeah totally I mean who the hell was was dancing with with certain things in this movie that we're gonna get into I mean nobody I mean you know it's yeah it's kind of a, a standard early 80s slasher but it's not at all actually if you really look at it
0: well well just a couple of the obvious things is in most slasher films it's a pretty pretty staunchly heterosexual you know what i mm-hmm. mean it's like right. straight guys straight women you know if you're having sex you get punished for being promiscuous basically you know that, that's kind of like the vibe in like you know halloween and you know uh, friday the 13th and like all these standards the
1: and the only nudity you'll see is female right yeah those types of movies um and in this movie the only nudity you see is male If you uh, technically, you know, yeah, Um, there are these weird, (laughs) you know, there's a lot of bare butts of men in this movie. And there's a lot of very short male shorts in this movie. (laughs) I mean, there's very different things about this movie as opposed to, say, your Friday the 13th and your Halloween. Right.
0: Yeah. And and also right off the bat there, you're introduced to a, a gay couple you know, mm-hmm. and, they're yeah. not, and they're portrayed in a positive light too. I don't think the gay yeah. couple mm-hmm. is like, they're like the, they're actually like the, the two, the, the father and partner mm-hmm. are, are actually more realistically like a run of the mill gay couple than right. you normally see in films really.
1: Yeah, the father's out in the boat, he's with his two kids and, and it just, I mean, there there are moments of just fairly, you know, normalcy in the movie. But it's funny if you were watching this movie right in the theater in 1984. I mean, how shocking was this movie? Well, no, that's know. what I'm
0: trying to say. None of none of this stuff was even present in any of these films back at the time, and and it wasn't like the 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 gender bending, homo, the gay angle. And there's also incest in this film too, which we'll. we'll I get think
1: into. there was. That's that's the weird part. I think there is. We'll talk a little bit about. There's that very strange scene uh, of the two kids on the bed, and it's just very strange. It's like a subliminal moment in the film, and there's another subliminal moment in the film, which makes me think of those weird moments in Cruising. You know what I'm saying? That are just kind of like, what am I watching? I don't think anybody seeing this in the theater in 1984. Picked up on half of the things. That we're going to talk about, and yeah. the, what people are talking about now. Well, you, you, mean,
0: you mentioned cruising, and that was only a few years earlier than this movie. And in, in cruising, you got like a heavy leather Bondo, you know, Lower East Side, or I'm sorry, like West, you know, uh, you know, Greenwich Village, right? West you know, side, another, highway. West Side Highway, like like leather, you know, like you know, very very fringe. Treatment of of the gay lifestyle in the late seventies, and uh, you know, and, if, and, I, and I mean, I can understand like if that was the only way that gay people were were portrayed, you know, yeah, you know, I, I could see being. But they also had regular, normal, like non fetishy gays in that film too. Yeah. Not not to say that that's not normal, but I mean, like non fetish types. But the, yeah. the the gay couple in this film are. They appear to be a well, the two just men who are in mm-hmm. love with each other that have are pretty well adjusted. They're taking care of their you know their kids. They're they're doing a um, you know some kind of family activity out on the lake. You know it's not like that one dude's got like a sin hood on and he's beating the guy with a riding crop or something. You know. Which... Oh yeah,
1: exactly. But it's funny. I just I feel like it was. Some people might have thought it was there for some kind of weird shock value or whatever. I mean, there's just so so much of a, of a more of a deeper dive you can even do on this movie. Um, but you know, hey, we're talking about it now. The movie's literally almost 40 years old. It spawned uh, three sequels. You know, uh, it has a very very large fan base. Uh, I also put it up there as one of the best movie posters. Uh, horror movie posters. What do you think? It's a Love good it? one, man. It's a good one. Solid. It's really cool. Uh, when I was, used to see that poster as a kid in the, in the newspapers, it scared the shit out of me. And this is one of the movies that cemented the, no, I am never, ever going to camp and I never went to camp. This is another one of those movies. I mean, I, uh, almost none of my Brooklyn friends went to summer camp. Uh, in South Brooklyn, it just wasn't something a lot of kids did. Yeah. Um you know, your summer camp was your block, your street, and hanging out with your friends. Um, and of course, a lot of our parents couldn't even afford summer camp anyway. So it just wasn't, you know, my parents couldn't. So we just didn't go. So I was informed of summer camp by Friday the 13th movies and sleepaway camp movies. You know what I'm saying? It's like, this is what was engraved in my head as a kid. Like, people died at camp. <laughs> yeah. That's I literally thought yeah I, so I never
0: you, went to summer camp either man just to, for the record um but however like where I grew up out in the country you know it was yeah. like there actually were summer camps up there where where yep. these like like rich like like people would would send their kids and a good friend of mine was uh was a lifeguard at mm-hmm. one of these camps and uh, I remember in the summertime hanging out with this guy and like hanging out with these like really really well taken care of like young women that uh you know at the summer camp you know when i was like 16 so it wasn't like creepy you know what i mean
1: yeah (laughs) (laughs) i mean summer camp would have could have been would have been this wonderful thing but i didn't want anything to do with it (laughs) i was just so fucked up like my my view of it was hilarious but uh before we go further, just do a you know, little basic rundown of the movie uh, for those who may not be aware. Uh, Sleepaway Camp, uh, originally released in the UK as Nightmare Vacation. What a shitty name. Uh, is a 1983 slasher film written and directed uh, by Robert Hiltzik, who also served as the film, film's executive producer. It is the first film in the, first film in the Sleepaway Camp series which tells the story of a young girl sent sent to summer camp uh, that becomes the site of a series of murders shortly after her arrival. It stars Felissa Rolls, Catherine Cammie, Paul D'Angelo, Mike Kellen, in his last screen appearance. By the way, Mike Kellen was the creepy head of the camp uh, yeah. with the, that guy. Yep. He, he died before the movie and came out. He was like dying of cancer while oh, making man. that movie. Interesting. Dang. Yeah. Uh, and Christopher Collette, uh, released during the heyday of slasher films. It is known for its infamous twist ending, of course, and it is considered to be one of the genre's most shocking. Uh, It was followed by three sequels, Sleepaway Camp 2, Unhappy Campers in 88, Sleepaway Camp 3, Teenage Wasteland in 89, and Return to Sleepaway Camp in 2008. Tonight, we're only going to be discussing the original an original sleepaway camp uh sleepaway camp two and three didn't have Felicity rose i don't think they were very good i've seen them i saw them back in the day eh, not a big fan so tonight we are literally just sticking to the og um as far as the direct sequel Return to sleepaway camp from 2008 well it is a movie uh, and i'm sure some of you are getting deja vu right now we haven't heard many good things about um, there's a lot of these return to the OGs often are right, Mike.
0: Oh yeah, it's always a bad idea to do something like that. But a uh, fun <laughs> fact about the sequel: uh, the Bruce Bruce the Boss Springsteen's sister actually is in those films.
1: Yes, um, you know, again, I I know there's some weird kills in those movies from what I remember, and you know, they have a look that they're kind of charm to them, but. They're, they're kind of nothing compared to
0: this movie, in my opinion. Actually, I gotta say something real quick, man. Earlier on, when I was talking about S and M and the gay culture of the seventies, if that's a, your thing, man, fucking salute man. Like, I be happy. I'm not saying hey, there's anything wrong with doing that, man. That's like your trip. Be happy, you know. I know we live in a day and age where people like to take things out of context, so I'm just gonna go on record, you know. S and not my thing, but if that's what you're into, yeah, party on.
1: I'll take it a step further and say bravo because you know, if you're like the old school, then that's even cooler. Honestly, I don't know. I, got, yeah, I, I agree. You know, that's 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 uh, you don't see that every day. You know, but uh, the thing is, I just think every movie is 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 a product of its time, and sadly the ignorance that some movies have in them is also a product of its time, right? Yeah, exactly. You know, yeah. Um, Robert Hiltzik, I think, honestly, uh, I watched this really cool making of uh, on the the DVD, uh, the Blu-ray DVD from Shout Factory Sleepaway Camp. And, you know, it seems like a guy who kind of knew what he was doing in the sense that he wanted to make a horror movie that people were going to talk about for a long time and he actually says that you know and i but he succeeded he completely succeeded um and he also owns up to the fact that yeah he saw he was a young filmmaker uh, himself and he saw that all these horror movies were making tons of dough and uh, i've seen a lot of directors say that you know they, they're not going to shy away from why they made certain movies um or that it was easier to get a movie like this made, you know, I mean that's that's not so bad. I mean, so many movies today, believe me, they're made just for cash with no heart, you know. Um, But I think there's a lot of heart here, and I think there's a message, and there's originality, you know, Mike. Is is
0: Hilsig? Did he do anything? I only know him for making, or, or for, not so much for making, but being associated with these films. Is, is there anything other notable films that he's done?
1: Honestly, looking him up right now, he's got the writer credits on the the, the Sleepaway Camp sequels, but his director credits, no, <laughs> um, he does not. Yeah, I, I tried to um, look
0: him up too, and I couldn't find anything of note really, except for
1: these. He are the with these. Yeah, he has the original. He has the 2008 movie, which mike and i will own up to saying we have not seen but have read literally not a single good review on the internet um so no i mean i guess he, he be, you know some people are one and dunce, i guess right yeah which makes it even cooler if he has me
0: yeah because this is like one of the like i said i think this is like a um you know a must-see film along with like Halloween and and uh, you know Friday th- well Friday the Thirteenth. I actually like this better than Friday the Thirteenth.
1: I'll go. I'll go and say it. Wow, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, as, as we were saying earlier, um, do do a, a little more about the overall plot. Uh, it starts in 1975. John Baker and his partner Lenny take John's children, Angela and Peter, on a boating trip near Camp Arawak. This is all in upstate New York, by the way. shot in upstate New York. Um, Angela and Peter prank their father by capsizing the boat. They attempt to swim ashore where Lenny is waiting for them. But uh, camp counselor recklessly strikes down John and one of the children in the speedboat, leaving one of John's children alive. Okay. Again, movie's almost 40 years old. If you haven't seen it, then cover your ears. Mike, <laughs> on another viewing of this movie, if you, again something you would not have picked up on back in the day watching this movie, you can see that the survivor is Peter. Because there's a scene where, like, you just see the back of the head and it's short hair. It's clearly the boy that lived. Um, The girl who kills the dad and one of the kids, she goes, something like, two of them are dead or something. She says something about two of them and two of them and two of them. And then after that, there's a scene of the boy, the back of the head of the boy. But it's real quick. It's there, though. I mean, I was like, oh, wow. Okay, they kind of gave away the movie here. But no, no one realized they gave away the movie. I, I didn't
0: realize it, and I just watched it a couple of days ago. I, I didn't... And
1: it's real fast. You, you, you see there's a shot of the dead father, John. There's a shot of, like, a, bl- uh, a bloody life jacket. And there's a very qu- quick shot of the back of the head of one of the kids. And it's clearly the the boy to me. I'm sorry. The thing is, maybe it's not clearly a boy to other people, but to me, it's like, wait a minute, you know? Um, And then it goes right to to modern day. And it's, you know, eight years later, whatever modern day back then. And uh, Angela, they're saying Angela, we're all assuming it's the little girl who survived, is living with her aunt, Martha, and her cousin, Ricky, who's Martha's son. I got to tell you, Aunt Martha, Mike, kind of is is only in eight minutes of this movie, and in a way, is one of the most unforgettable parts of this movie.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, she's like, it's almost like she's acting in like a totally different film than the rest of the cast in the movie. You know, like it's like Mike, super campy, like overblown, like really weird. You
1: know, in, you know so weird, it's disturbing though. I mean, it's campy, but it's very like. You, I, I, I always come away going, I want to know more about Aunt Martha. I want to, like, where's the Aunt Martha backstory movie? Because, again, cover the ears, she made her, her nephew, Peter, into Angela. Like, isn't that nuts? It's so creepy.
0: Yeah, and, and but right there, though, that's, like I said, that's not the kind of shit that was really being ad- addressed in these films back then. Oh no!
1: Not among uh, certainly not with a child. I mean, maybe you know with an adult. I mean, uh, who knows? You know what I'm saying? But I just feel like the manipulation of children.
0: But I I just want to say a couple things about that too, because um, I you know I'm sure I'm sure there's quite a few guys out there who probably you know read about serial killers and Mm. you know that's not unusual. Like a guy like uh, Henry Lee Lucas and Charles right. Man- Charles Manson and people like that, even though Manson's mm. technically not a serial killer, but uh, the gender, like, aspect of growing up and have, having you know an abusive parent forcing you into the other role, is like causes deep psychological scars. You know, so it's yeah. it's, it's not a it, it's almost like. It makes sense that she turned that that she that he turned into like a fucking murderer, really.
1: To a degree, sure. I mean, it's severe abuse, in yeah. my opinion. Yeah. Um, Henry Lee Lucas was dressed up as a girl and forced to watch his mom have sex with Johns. Okay. Uh, Charles Manson was also apparently forced to dress as a woman, uh, a girl. I mean, there's just like, you know, there there are studies out there of, of these these things that went on in a lot of these killers lives and whatever um but i, think, I guess you know,
0: i guess one of the things i wanted to say about that too is like i know like some of the more modern critics of this film are saying oh it's an anti-trans but no it's not really a anti-trans it's no, an anti-parental so. abuse really yeah yeah you know what i mean it's against it's showing you what happens to children who are abused by their parents really or, or like their parental, their guardians. Let's say in this case,
1: right. Towards the end of the movie, you see that other scene with Desiree Gould uh, making up her eight minutes in the movie, where she's saying, "We already have a boy. I already have a boy. I want a girl." It's like whoa, like you know, it's just so like creepy and heavy. Um, and in a side note, as a lot of horror aficionados know. Um, Desiree Gould died just four weeks ago, actually, uh, the actress. And uh, this is one of the only movies she ever did. Uh, Very haunting features, like those eyes. and I don't know. In a weird way, Mike Hill, I found uh, 1983 Desiree Gould attractive. I got
0: to say something across the board about almost everyone in this movie. I feel like I know the people in this fucking movie because there's like a very heavy italian-american presence in this film yes uh, a very um, uh Brooklyn Jewish sort of representation yes.
1: Long Island
0: a- yes. Long Island Irish people I feel mm-hmm. like I, I feel like uh, they 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 cast this entire film from the five boroughs really
1: it's definitely this movie is a New York New Jersey Long Island love fest in a way um, Yeah. And it really shines through in everyone's horrible accents. <laughs> and I say this as a someone with a horrible accent myself. So I can say that. I'm allowed to say that. So nobody get mad at me when I say horrible accents. Because if you listen to the show, you can hear it. Now, it makes the movie even better. And it makes it more funny and more great. Because a lot of these kids remind me. Not only of myself in 1980. <laughs> they remind me of everyone, I all the older kids. Yeah, the yeah. older mm-hmm. kids. This movie is just littered with the older kids who probably teased you, might have beat you up, or whatever the hell they did. <laughs> and it's hilarious. This movie is unintentionally hilarious at times. Would you agree?
0: Yeah, definitely. And actually, uh, there's the character of Meg who's like, one of the um, oh my god
1: she's amazing
0: that's like that's amazing. the ne- the nemesis that's angela angela's nemesis in this uh,
1: captain Tammy, unbelievable performance in that movie wow she was just the epitome of like a snotty girl like a girl that like man i hate this fucking girl like you know like a girl that probably other girls in the school like either aspired to be or loathed you know what i'm saying like wished death upon
0: they are, they're afraid of her, too. You know what I mean?
1: Oh, no, totally. She's like wielding totally. power, you know? <laughs> um, and then... <laughs> actually, no. That's Judy we're talking about, Mike, not Meg. Oh, I'm sorry. Judy. Yeah, okay. Karen Field. Karen Field's Judy. Sorry, we got to backtrack that a little. Judy is the one that's like, whoa, man. Like, just the ultimate snot. Meg, don't get me wrong. Definitely snotty, definitely a bit of a bully. Not as big of a bully as Judy. But Meg, oh, this is the, another weird part of this movie. Meg wants to hook up with Mel, who is literally a 60-something-year-old man. <laughs> like, isn't that bonkers? Meg, like, Meg is probably 16 in this movie. Yeah. No, Perhaps 15, maybe 16 years old. Mel is like the camp, the guy who runs the camp, who has the cigar in his mouth. And I like, uh, portrayed by actor Mike Kellen, who died right before the movie was released. And we're supposed to think that she has the hot for him. <laughs> That's a stretch for sure, you know? Oh, yeah. yeah. Like, that is what... But the, the, again, there's a lot of levels of creep in this movie. Um, Aunt Martha being a, the mild creep level. Another level of creep is, is Mel, in a way, because kids are getting murdered left and right, and Mel doesn't give a rat's ass because he doesn't want the camp shut down, okay? But the other aspect is that Mel enthusiastically wants to bang a teenager. <laughs> and he is 61 years old. I just looked it up. Looked it up. A 61-year-old is looking to hang out with a girl who might be 15 in the movie. Wild. Yeah, I mean, this movie
0: in some ways really is about people on the fringe of society. I mean, if you think about like the kind of person that would manage slash own like a summer sleepaway camp, like Mm -hmm. what what kind of career move is that? You know what I mean? Like like, Mm -hmm. it's like the same kind of guy who would be like an ice cream man or something like that. You know what I mean?
1: (laughs) Oh no! We're <laughs> marginalizing camp owners and ice cream men tonight,
0: kid. <laughs> you know what I'm saying, man? It's like, yeah. Also, uh, uh, just another another detail that's kind of poignant about um, Judy and Rick is that, uh, you know, is is that the, the previous summer? Yes. Rick and Judy were an item. They were hanging out. Yep. Yeah, but then, like over the course of the year, you know, probably pu- puberty erupted. And uh, she became a woman, a young mm-hmm. young lady, and suddenly Rick was like uh, had to take a back seat to the older yeah. older boys, mm-hmm. you know. And uh, you know, Rick, you know, Rick, Rick was like a is a pretty pretty good guy, man. A pretty
1: good good cousin, yeah. you know. He is a good cousin. He's he is he's de- decent actor. Does a good job in this movie. Does a great job of looking out for his first cousin, you know. Um, I have to address the creep level factor number three which is really number one uh the cook oh yeah it, 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 oh my god this is nuts um arty uh again who is a man definitely in his 30s perhaps you know maybe even 40 years old is eyeballing not just the girls he's eyeballing and lusting after Everybody, and it is this so this such a creep scene at the beginning of the movie when all the kids are leaving the bus and running down the hill. Oh my god! And he, I don't even want to repeat what he says. It is just a fucked up scene, right?
0: Yeah, it it was definitely uncomfortable, you know. And um, and that's what I mean. Like this this film has to do with the fringe of society. You know, you have a child molester. You got you know this like perverted old man. You got, yes. you know, uh, someone who, you know, a, a lot of abused, you know, a, a, an abused young boy, <laughs> you know, yes. and it's mm-hmm. like, it just really, un- unlike the other slashers, which all, all the victims are just these, you know, normal kids really, you know, right, right. there's like the, um, the damaged people of society are, are populating this movie. And I, that's, that's what it sets it apart. I think in a lot
1: of ways, Oh, yeah, 100%. Um, There's a scene where Artie has uh, Angela in in the back room where where, where they make the food, and he's literally about to take his pants off. Yeah, it was uncomfortable, man. Oh, my God. And then Ricky comes in, her cousin saves the day. Um, I I learned that they shot that scene. um, They basically shot it in a way that Phyllis Rose didn't even know what uh, Artie's dialogue was. They, they shot him saying that And she wasn't there And they shot her reaction scene And he wasn't there Isn't that interesting?
0: Yeah, you know And that's kind of cool That they really tried to like Minimize the uh, You know Just just the, uh, the The trauma On these kids For making this movie You know
1: Well yeah She was uh, Felicia was 13 at the time Her mom was there The entire The entire shoot You know Obviously uh, You know uh, And Apparently None of the kids knew about the, 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 the transsexual angle. Like, there's a lot of things going on that the kids did not know. They didn't know about, a lot of people didn't know about the twist ending. Um, it's just real uh, an, an interesting story to it, you know. Um, the, uh, the That shocking final scene, uh, you know, where it looks like it's Phyllisa Rose. It's actually not Phyllisa Rose. It's someone in, in, in a mask with her face. It was actually portrayed by a guy who is listed as Archie Liberace. It's a fake name. <laughs> that's a it's good name, one man. Name used because that's his penis, by the way. That's a real male penis. That is not a fake penis at the end. Um, and it was just shot real interesting. And Angela wasn't even, you know, Felicity Rose was wasn't even there. And uh, yeah, they definitely did a good job uh, shielding the kids uh, from some of that stuff. And in another interesting uh, note, all the kill scenes where you saw the hands, none of those hands were Phyllis Rose's. They were actually Ricky, Jonathan Tiersten's hands. Oh, he wanted to do it. Yes, they liked his. I mean, you know, he was him and Phyllis I guess were, you know, had young, you know, features, a young skin, whatever. And they felt that his hands were good enough where you kind of, you know, you wouldn't really know who it was. And you probably, if you thought it was Angela, you would have just assumed it was her. But no, they were actually Jonathan Tiersten's hands, Ricky's. Yeah.
0: You know, another thing to to keep in mind too, you know, just comparing this to other slasher films, you know, the people that get killed and slaughtered in other movies from that era were, are pretty much innocent people, really. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. In this, yeah, I mean- in, in this film. The people who get murdered actually kind of had to come. I'm not saying that you get murdered, but they had <laughs> some kind of retribution. They kind of did something wrong. You know, they, yeah, they you were like,
1: Yeah. Yeah. Like- Everyone, no, no, I'll say it. Everyone who was killed was a shitty bully or a shitty adult. Everyone. None of those good, the good dude, like the Italian y, count- <laughs> with the extremely short shorts. Um, none of them were killed. None of the the good girls who stood up for, anyone who actually remotely stood up for Angela was not killed. Um, and it's funny, though. I actually just kind of answered a, a mental question for myself. Uh, Ricky's buddy yeah. who hooks up with Angela. I'm like, well, she kills him. He cheated on her.
0: Well, yeah. And also, that's an interesting, complicated, complicated, com- uh. An interesting complexity with that character because, you know, he kind of starts off as a sympathetic guy, and slowly he gets uh, corrupted by uh,
1: by Judy. Yes, yes. I mean, he was a good guy. You know, um, it's funny that on the extras they were saying that that actor, Christopher Collette, he was uh, he was from Manhattan, and everybody there was from Jersey or Long Island or whatever, and everybody kind of like. He was kind of the cool guy because he was from Manhattan. Isn't that funny? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like everybody wanted to hang out with him. And um, <laughs> Catherine Cammy, who played Meg at uh, at the time, was on a soap opera. Uh, what the hell soap opera was she on? And she actually uh, was, you know, people were, were all kind of like sweating her behind the scenes too because she was in a soap opera back in the day. Um, she was on like Guiding Light and she was on All My Children when that was being filmed apparently um those are those are big shows for the for the 80s yeah 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 totally totally um and you know this is felissa rose's you know breakout role i mean and this made her of anybody in this movie obviously she's the fucking star like she goes to the cons people fucking love her you know um she is super nice to the fans and it kind of like she says at the, at, at the end of this really cool you know documentary I keep referencing. She's like in tears at the end. She's like this, this movie gave me like a life like this movie gave me, you know, a career. And she has like, n- like literally nothing but wonderful memories of this movie, which is nice.
0: Yeah. I mean, you know, she shows up in a lot of different
1: places. She, she pops up on uh Joe Bob's show every now and then. Yes. Yes, she does. She does. Um, but yeah, it's funny though, I guess all these years, like you kind of wonder, like what, you know, uh, what, you know, kind of became of some of these people and whatnot. Um, and, you know, again, some of them come on, on the con circuit and it's, you know, people love them and, and they want to meet them and get their autograph. And for this movie, it all kind of started uh, back around 2001 at the, the Fangoria con, which I was at. Uh, there's a, there was a website which i believe is still up sleepawaycampmovies.com which had, had really gained a lot of steam uh in the advent of you know the, the the late 90s and people all wanted to know what became of these people and this is you know early internet days and 2001 i guess is kind of sorta i mean still early internet days what do you think 2001 is i mean not um, you know well, of everybody had a computer but
0: yeah but it wasn't Like it was definitely like pre explosion of social media though. You
1: know what I mean? Yeah. Right. It was, it was more about like the boards and things like that. Yeah. So the cast and Robert Hiltzik, they agree with Fangoria to do this appearance at a Fangoria weekend of horrors. And they didn't really know what to expect, but it was fucking huge. I mean, I was there and people were bugging out and people were so excited to see them. And the, the lines to get everybody's autograph was like really huge. And, I got a really nice uh, signed uh, ad slick from uh, Sleepaway Camp that's signed by everybody that I still have, and I'm going to take a picture of it, and I'll post it on the Instagram to show you guys. Um, so uh, it's apparently like an infamous thing that like kicked off the, the mania again for this movie that a lot of people have talked about, and I had the pleasure of being there, Mike. That's awesome, man. <laughs> but, but, you know, it was just kind of... I was going because it was... Well, it was a new Fangoria con. Like, I didn't even really go because it was the Sleepaway Camp reunion. There was a bunch of cool shit at that one. My first Fangoria was January 2000, and this was the January 2001. And I was like, oh, shit, everybody from Sleepaway Camps going to be here? That's great. (laughs) It was like a happy coincidence. That's pretty badass. Yeah. But, again, you know... This movie, to some people, it's like, well, all it is is the ending. But if you've been listening for us for the last, you know, 30, 40 minutes, you see that obviously there's way more than just the ending, you know? Um, I, I think it's it's smarter than what it appears to be. Right, Mike? Yeah, totally, you know.
0: And, and uh, you know, just, just once again, like, and I think I read something recently, and that's why I'm harping on this, you know, I don't. I, I'm not going to say that this is a uh, anti-trans film because I don't really think that Angela is a trans person. I think she's an abused child. Mm. You know, she's not someone who's an adult who made a decision right. that she wants to live her life. You know, as a boy or a woman or whatever that was forced upon her by her. You know, obviously deranged
1: aunt. You know. And it's funny, again, paying attention, I, it dawned on me that she, her aunt said, like she said she was a doctor earlier in the movie, and it turns out she wasn't a doctor. She pretended she was, like, pretended she was a doctor. Like, what the fuck? Like, yeah. you know, like, totally. holy shit, You know, was <laughs> she doing? Like, you know? Yeah,
0: and, and then, you know, once again, I just want to underscore this, too, that they portray her her father and his partner as, like,
1: pretty regular people. You know it, it's almost reminiscent of uh butcher baker nightmare maker where some of the only good like literally the, the only good person in that movie was was a gay guy and and, and his partner who was murdered for no fucking reason you know yeah. and it, you could kind of say that here right
0: i think that it's uh yeah i mean it, it's people misunderstand this if they if that's all you take away from the movie then you miss the whole point really
1: totally um, I was saying this before we got on the air, that there's there's another weird subliminal moment in this movie. I don't know if it's subliminal, but I think it was just meant to throw people off because I don't think Hiltzik wanted to reveal Angela as the killer just yet. When it came to Judy's killing, where she gets the, uh, the, the iron in the nether regions, th- there's a scene where it's Angela in the doorway, but apparently it, it's the actor who played Ricky. In a wig, um, and it's just like it, it kind of looks like Angela. But if you, again, watch the movie again, it is actually uh, Ricky, and they they did that on purpose. So that was kind of cool.
0: Yeah, see, I I didn't I didn't I didn't pick up on that really. Now now you did. You also mentioned something else about how you thought that Ricky knew, like what was going on, and you know, I mean, I, you know, let's talk about that a
1: little bit yes after this new viewing i feel like i definitely know that ricky knows his cousin was a boy okay i think he does know that i think that is why he's i don't think he's just super protective because he's super protective he knows his mom is nuts right he knows his that you know something happened with his cousin. I think he knows that Angela was Peter. Okay. Because he says something early on in the movie when she gives the notes, he says, I forget this line. He says, he's like, yeah, I know. Like some kind of weird off the cuff remark he makes about secrets or something or surprises or whatever. But I just think that he's so protective because he's protecting a fucking secret. That is my take. I think he knows the whole score with Angela. And that's one of the reasons he's protective. There's also a slight part of me that thinks that he's aware that she's doing all the killings. And a, a, a tiny part of me, because some people, there's some theories on this movie that think that he was in on the killings. But if you kind of if you kind of watch the, the end, like, you know, he gets the shit beat out of him and he comes to and he's, I don't know. I don't think he was a part of the killings. I, I really don't. I, I think there's a chance he knows his cousin is killing everybody. Though I'll say that, and that he knows his cousin' secret, hundred percent. I,
0: I I think that a hundred percent he knew that his cousin was a boy, and I agree mm-hmm. with you that that that's primarily why he was so protective of her. You know, and and because you know, there's a scene where you know she showers on her own. She you know, obviously uh, that would be a big reveal.
1: You know, right, if she and was like the, the shower balloon, with the other girls. The thing, he got real mad, right? Yeah. He was like he's like every curse in the book, and it was kind of a funny moment, but he's super, super pissed. Like I was like, hmm, why like he's really pissed. You know? Hmm.
0: I do not think that he was in on any of the murders, though. Okay.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah, I'm just gonna make a stand on that. I don't I don't have any real um Basis for that statement. I just, that's just the feeling I get from the movie. Do you think he knew she was the murderer? I'm going to say that he probably did only because I don't, I mean, if you just, you don't, I mean, to go on a murder spree like that seems unlikely. <laughs> so it's like, you know, if you're 13 years old, you just start murdering people wantonly like that. I think that, like, they're probably murderers in your past somewhere. Mm. So uh, you know, I think that, uh, like I said, you know, our, some of our some of the our favorite serial killers how were, we're dressed up like uh, we're boys that were dressed up like girls. You know, yes. so maybe this is part of her uh,
1: profile. You know, totally, totally. I mean, it again. There's just so much here. Like, there's so much to talk about, right? I I, I think that there is. You know, that again lost on its theatrical run lost on all this people that you know said the movie was a piece of crap you know what i'm saying or just another shitty slasher or whatever i'm not sure what ebert had to say about it but you know um it was compared to friday the 13th blah 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 blah. uh is one review from back then to the Courier journal a low budget slasher entry in the friday the 13th mold with teenage mayhem at a summer camp like that's your takeaway the Chula Vista News: A tasteless picture about a mysterious murders at a summer camp that obscenely blends beheadings, stabbings, prepubescent impulses, homosexuality, and I'll oh, get this one: transvestitism, with a cast of junior high school actors. Again, this is a 1983 review. Uh, and then the news press from back then: a shockingly good slasher film. Uh, if you use the rel- the relatively fine first Friday the 13th as your measuring stick, it's just another craze stalking, newbile summer camp film. But this time, there are some very creative killings and very interesting plot twists. So some people got it back then. Most people d- did not get it, obviously, back then.
0: Yeah, I mean, I-, I think that it's a completely different type of movie, really. Like I said, if you take the murders out, it's almost like an after-school special or something, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, seriously, if you think about it, if you take all the murder, it's it's about an abused boy
1: and bullying. <laughs>
0: you know what I mean?
1: <laughs> oh, hey, um, connection's getting very bad. Let me call you right back. Okay. Right here. Let me right. call you right back. I right, got it. Hello. Hey, yeah. keep talking.
0: Okay. Uh, did you hear okay. anything I said about yes. uh, being an after school uh, special?
1: <laughs> yes. Okay. We have, probably have a good point to just jump in. I'm trying to remember the last I talked about the reviews yep. and I said how some people, you know, some reviewers back then got it and some did not get it. And then that's when you jumped in and said what you said.
0: Yeah. And the other the other thing too, besides it being like an after school special, seeing these kids as at, at the correct age, okay, mm-hmm. kind of a, a desexualizes the whole thing too in a lot of ways. Where it's like, you know, you watch Friday the Thirteenth and and you know, well actually they were the camp counselors, so that that's cool. It's okay that they were older. You know what right. I mean? So. Yeah, it's just like it, you see like a bunch of kids and I don't know, the whole thing had... Like Michael Myers, uh, you know, Jason Voorhees were were scary and I didn't particularly find uh, Angela to be as menacing as like your archetypical slasher, you know?
1: No, Angela is a cute, pretty 13-year-old girl. Like, you know what I'm saying? Um, it's It throws you off. I mean the ending where she's like making like animal noises and it's just that music and that imagery i mean wow it's to me one of the greatest horror endings of all time i mean it just throws you for a fucking loop you know um but yeah i mean i I do like the fact that it has proper aged kids at a camp at a camp i mean that 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 makes sense and, and that's you know that that was one of the things on its side, and it's funny. Again, it wasn't so much about killing the counselors; it was the fucking rotten kids that got to be killed in this movie. You know, <laughs> it wasn't the counselors having sex. Um, there's really almost no sex in this movie, and like I said earlier, that the nudity is male nudity. It's just you know there's some girls in bikinis, like there's like but hardly. It's not very sexual. No, it's not. No, right. not at all, which is like
0: and that and that's like definitely one of the determining characteristics of a slasher film is like, you know, topless girls, you know, like sex, like all this other stuff. The sex
1: is like this weird subverted
0: thing, you know.
1: Yeah. And again, the the dudes are wearing really short shorts. <laughs> I mean, you could like see wieners in, in some of these shots in this movie. I'm telling you, I mean, it is, you know. It it kind of flips. It flips what was going on in most of these movies, where it was the exploitation of girls. It's almost the exploitation of dudes. It's unbelievable.
0: Yeah, I can see that. Yeah, that that, that was the style back then, man. That if you if you were wearing shorts in 1983, you were wearing shorts like that were that short. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. (laughs) That's just the
1: way it was. You know? Oh boy. Yeah. I mean, you know. I was not good at sports, and I remember I had to play basketball when I was like ten or eleven, and the shorts were fucking so short, and I fucking hated it. I hated it. I knew. I almost had a premonition that I think men's shorts are going to get a bit longer. And by <laughs> 86 I was right. I was right. I went. There's no reason for a man to have shorts this short in 1984, 83. No reason. And by golly jams came out and men rejoiced yeah our shorts do not have to be that short Way and more i comfortable. think yes yes man it was ridiculous and of course you know you see some of the dudes out there now they're a little <laughs> too short a little too short for me <laughs> gotta be honest a little too short but yeah. not the extremities of the early 80s mike no nah,
0: man like those like shorts where that's just that's the only alternative you had man <laughs>
1: Wow. I mean, again, so much to say about this movie. I mean, we covered a lot of the points, I think. I mean, there's a lot of interesting trivia about this film. And, you know, uh, like I said, it was shot at a camp upstate New York and utilized a, a, a lot of, you know, New York actors and things like that. Um, you know, I just feel like this is definitely, to me, one of the best of the 80s slashers, definitely, I'll just come out and say one of the best slashers ever. I mean, it's it's got originality, got the great ending, it's got an intricate story, it's got things that, you know, as you watch it as an adult, you definitely didn't see as a teenager or a kid, you
0: know, got a lot going for it. Actually, the ending is still powerful, like that last scene, and mm-hmm. uh, but also, it's funny how your memory paints a different picture. Like, I remember, um, like, you know, I watched it again a few days ago for the first time in, like, a really, really long time.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: my memories of the ending, when I think about that final scene, like, I think of, I remember Angela almost as, like, this demon or something. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You know? And I was like, oh, yeah, well, actually, she's just not, it's just the, it's, there wasn't, like, an extensive
1: makeup job going on, you know? No, I mean she was she was thirteen, playing thirteen. Uh, interesting note about Judy: Jane Krakowski was supposed to play Judy. I thought that that would have been great because Jane Krakowski was in uh, would have been coming off of the, the first vacation at that point. Yeah, uh, remember her? Yeah, of course. But no, yeah, She did not get the role. That would have been interesting. Um, something that has to be mentioned earlier on: the police officer has what is a natural mustache in the movie. <laughs> And it was his mustache. However, uh, this movie was shot for a month in September uh, of 82. Uh, He had another acting gig that required him to shave off the mustache. So when he had to come back and, you know, shoot the other scenes, they literally put on the worst fake mustache in the film. On his face. Yeah, I'm
0: glad you brought that up because I had a note about <laughs> the, the worst fake. Mo- it looks like a piece of fucking electrical tape on his lips, man. Shoe polish, either <laughs> shoe
1: polish or. Cheap. Um, uh, interesting. Another interesting fact: Felissa Rose was only paid five grand for this movie, but I guess five grand in eighty-two is like fifteen, twenty grand. That's of not money. That, That's not bad, really. You know, for back. And then. it was you know independent film. You know. Uh, yada yada um, the, uh, there was a DVD that came out from Anchor Bay, a DVD box set of, of the first three films I remember it in 2002 my old girlfriend had this box set um, interesting thing about it is that the American Red Cross was not happy because it literally stole their logo and they put it on the cover of the box <laughs> sent a bunch of angry emails to Anchor Bay also interesting about it is that the, the Sleepaway Camp in the box set is not the complete unedited film that is on the Shout Factory disc. So, the Shout Factory version is, is the more real-deal version. The the version that had come out earlier in the O's is, apparently has some edits. So, that kind of sucks. Um, but, again, I, I have the Shout Factory uh, Blu-ray DVD combo. It is, it is fucking awesome. It's got some cool stuff. And it fucking looks really good. It looks beautiful. Um... They, they they did something to, to, to the film, and it looks really bright and really nice. Uh, it definitely looks a lot better than the old Anchor Bay DVD that I, I used to have. Um, yeah, I mean, what would you give this film, Mike, on our heralded one to five? give it a 4.5. Ah, okay. We are in full agreement. Uh, it is a 4.5 with a bullet for me. Yeah. Um, I don't give it a five because i don't know five is reserved for the creme de la creme this is a very very enthusiastic 4.5 because i actually love this movie so i'll say that um, yeah. <laughs> you know, i really do uh the interesting thing is another interesting little takeaway that i want to mention which is kind of surprising uh jonathan Tierson, who played ricky was 17 when he made this movie he did not look 17
0: yeah, he played young man. He looked—I thought he was like yeah. real young. And
1: Felissa was thirteen, and they had a little romance during the movie. Really? Yes, they did. Yeah, they huh. talk about that in the—they uh, talk about that in the extras. They had a little, you know, little fling, teenage fling. Um, but yeah, he didn't look that old. Wow, he looked like a young young kid i know I,
0: I was surprised i thought you were gonna say he was like 10 or something like that i was like jesus
1: hey, go, during the making of this movie right. but uh yeah how about hey bobbery bob mike are you guys is tombs gonna cover that hey <laughs> bob maybe if you don't i think the last stand will i think that's a song man there's <laughs> something there
0: yeah, I'm down with the giving this a 4.5. I mean, like I said, it's not—it's no Citizen Kane, you know what I mean? It's no, uh, you know, like
1: it's not the training. It's not,
0: you know, it's it, not exercise. Yeah, but I, I don't—I don't give it a 4.5 for like the production, but I give it a 4.5 just
1: because of how unique it is. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And and honestly, man, I I, I wanted to know more about the ant. You know, I like that we have this kind of weird. Unanswered questions about that woman, you know, and in a way, she kind of steals the movie in a a weird way.
0: Yeah, and also, like you know, since we're in the age of getting attacked for stuff, if uh, you know anyone disagrees with anything I said about the uh, my views on the on the the movie, obviously, I am open to discussion, and you know, I'm well, I welcome anyone who has differing opinions who might want to discuss these things like uh, you know cordially. If you just come sure. at me like come at me hot and start calling me names and attacking me, I'm not even going to respond. But hmm. if you want, you know, if you have like your ideas about it, I'm 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 always welcome anyone to to discuss anything we we talk about on the film. I mean on this uh, show rather.
1: Yeah, I I I found something that said that in the like you know a lot of the trans community actually likes this movie quite a bit, and that there is a smaller sector that does not. That's that's all I got um, You know, but again, I do feel that like when it comes to these old movies you can't You, you can't look at them through the 2020 lens 2021 lens, you know um, It's just uh, people grow and, and you know Life progresses. That's that's why it's called progress. You know,
0: I think that's a lot of the people that actually Call this film problematic might not actually be part of of this community that uh that they're they're saying is problematic you know what i mean i don't think a lot of people that are calling this out are not necessarily gay trans or part of any you know marginal group like that and they're just virtue signaling to demonstrate how you know pc they are and compassionate and how bad everyone else is that likes this type of stuff
1: yeah this there's always going to be that unfortunately and the internet breeds that and it kind of sucks i mean some people just love to pile on and, and just you know uh show how righteous they are when in reality they're not very righteous let's just say so yeah but a fun freaking movie and a great kickoff to our summer horror we did the devil horrors and now we're going to be sprinkling in throughout the summer a summer horror series right Mike
0: that's right man there's a lot we can get into too you know
1: absolutely and if anybody has any suggestions just shoot them our way on Instagram or uh, Facebook and uh, yeah man we appreciate all the you know the support and uh, listenership um, the last few episodes have, been, have got some nice numbers so it sounds like we might have some new people welcome new people right Mike
0: absolutely man welcome you know and uh, any recommendations, please do not in, do not include uh, Friday the Thirteenth because I think that Mike <laughs> and I have been talking about doing another coverage of that entire franchise. So we'll, we'll be talking about Friday the Thirteenth at some point. We're just not exactly sure how we're going to attack it.
1: Right. That, I mean, at the very least, a night nice dive on part one. At the very least, um, you know, because look, I know uh, Friday the Thirteenth has been kind of done to death. But if we're going to be doing a bit of a summer horror series, if we skipped the original Friday the 13th, well, I think we'd be uh, remiss.
0: <laughs> but there, there's, a, there's a thesis out there that, uh, that someone, a friend of ours, or, or actually a, one of your family members, I, I, I don't want to say any names here, uh-huh. but there's a challenge, actually, to the, of the Friday the 13th franchise to the Halloween franchise. And I think that we need to uh,
1: address that challenge. We do need to address it because, again, we as we've said it uh, in recent episodes, that four and five watching of Halloween was a bit rough, kids. It was a bit rough. <laughs> when I'm coming away saying the best thing about it was the poster. I mean, is it really a movie? Well, it's a oh, it's so great. For thirteen. I mean, Halloween four and five is so great. I mean, really? I mean, come on. Um, you know. One when hell- we all know that Friday the 13th Four is pretty fucking great. I mean, come on. <laughs> one, one hell of a poster. <laughs> yeah. It's peace, you know. But, uh, yes, this was a fun one, Mr. Hill.
0: Yeah, man, I had a great time. And I'm glad we were able to kick off the summer
1: season with, uh, with a movie like this. It was great. Absolutely. Uh, we will see you all next time, Necromaniacs. Take care and be well.